if I were to ask you one, what is the one thing that would make your life better? How would you answer that question? What do you need right now to make your life better? Money? Need a new job? Need a new bike? I need to not hurt anymore? <laughs> Wisdom? Okay. What's the one thing? What do you seek? What is it that you're chasing after? What is that one thing that would just turn your life around, you think? <laughs> yeah, God. Right, thank you for the Sunday school answer. I wanted it. <laughs> you're in church. You can probably answer God, Jesus, and maybe Moses, and you'll be right most of the time, right? <laughs> That's right. Okay. Last week, we talked about how Jesus is revealing the Father to us. And you remember Emerson was up here helping me and, and his dad. And Emerson helped to show that God wants to unify us with his son. Yeah, God might be driving that shovel plow. And God may want us to dig a road, a score a road, to plant some potatoes in. There's a job he's got for you. But Christ is going to be there unified with you, helping you pull that plow. So you don't need to fear. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to worry. Because Jesus tells us to come unto Him. Because His burden is light and it's easy. And we were encouraged by that scripture. And I ended that message last week by in uh, Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. And I talked about how to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's what we need to do. Don't worry about... I need that next money. I need that new job. I need it to rain or I need it to not rain as a farmer. We're kind of picky about those things. Man, if I could just lose some weight so that I could get my hips replaced. There's all kinds of things that we could worry about and we could struggle with and we want in our life. But Jesus says, unite with me. My Father has something for you to do. He's planned it well in advance. These good works for you to accomplish. So unite with me. And don't worry about what it's going to be that you've got to do. Just seek the kingdom first. Seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. So our challenge this morning though is, what does it mean to seek? What are you chasing after today? Do you get up in the morning and say, what do I got to do today? How am I going to get this bill paid? How are we going to accomplish what's on my plate? What am I going to do with the way my kids are acting? What are you chasing after? What is your life goal? What do you really want in this lifetime? Are you seeking comfort? Are you seeking your pleasure? When it really comes down to it, what is your purpose in this life? Where, where do you put the greatest value on the things of your life?
What are you seeking? Take a minute and think about that. What really are you seeking after? Because I think you're going to seek something. I, I don't think you're just going to walk through life and just kind of float through, oh, whatever happens, happens. I'm not, no, you're, you're going to go after something. If you do say you have that attitude, well, I'm just going to take whatever comes and I'm just going to ride it out, you're probably seeking pleasure. Are you seeking a comfortable life? Are you seeking after the nice house? Are you seeking after nice vehicles? Are you seeking after the pleasures of this life? Or do you really get up in the morning and God, I want your kingdom to come? In the, in the beginning of this chapter of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching how to pray, and he says what? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you get up in the morning and say, God, how about today your kingdom be here today? How about your kingdom be in charge? How about what you want today, God? You let it happen in my life today. Now that's a pretty bold statement to make. Because God may have some things in mind in your life that you don't. And you might be shocked to find what God wants to do in your life. But what did we establish last week? Established last week that we serve a good, good father, right? And he wants the very best for us. So are you willing to trust him? And first of all, are you willing to ask for the kingdom of heaven to come in your life? Well, you say, well, just what is that kingdom of heaven? Think about it for a minute. If Jesus is asking us to, to pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that would be as if you were sitting in the throne room of God and God says, go do this, and you immediately went and did it. God tells an angel, go talk to Mary because she's going to give birth to my son. That angel didn't debate it. That angel didn't question him. The angel went and did it. God's kingdom, that ultimate rule, that supreme power is in charge. Are, are you willing to, to ask for that on a consistent basis? That God's kingdom would be in charge in your life. Every aspect of it. Whether you're getting up at 2 or 3 in the morning and heading out on a triaxle, or whether you're getting up or getting home from work at 7 in the morning and sleeping because you work night shift. Yeah, we got night shifters, we got early shifters, we've got middle of the day shifters. 
See, God's in charge of all of those. And God loves us and He wants us part of that. He wants to be part of your life. He wants to be unified with you in the task He's given you to do. Remember? He's not sending you out alone to live this life. So we need to be very careful in our life and not seek after the things that are not of God. God says, seek my kingdom first. Really, when it comes down to it, who is Lord in your life? Who is in charge? In in our modern culture, we don't use the word Lord a lot. But when the Bible was written, there was a complete understanding of who the Lord was in a community. The guy in charge of that community. And if he said, off with your head, it was off with your head. The, the historical time period when the Bible was written, this was understood. I don't know that we understand that. And I think really in American culture, we don't want a Lord in our life. We want to do what we want. I mean, quite frankly, I heard one person say that. That's how America was born to begin with. We didn't want to do what the King of England wanted us to do, so we came and started a new country, right? I want it my way. I don't want the tomato and onions on my burger. How about your life? Are you willing to say, God, what do you want me to do? Will you be Lord of my life? Will your kingdom have complete rule in my life? Complete. What you do, what work you do, what work you don't do, where you go, who you're friends with, who you're not friends with, where you spend your money. Whoa, now Toby, you're meddling. We get down to finances and now all of a sudden we get a little scared. But God, I got to have this, I got to have that. Years and years ago, here at the church, there was a man come in and wanted the church to help with a financial problem he had. He was going to lose his house because he couldn't make his house payment. And as we sat down and met with him, as our financial counselor worked with that person, said, Look, we can help you get out from under this, but you're going to have to cancel your cable bill in order to pay your house bill. And he was unwilling to do that. What, what are you really seeking in your life? I, I think it's a really hard question that we really got to sit down and ask ourselves, that we really got to grab a hold of. Are we really seeking the kingdom of God full time in our life for everything? Complete control. Where we spend our time, where we spend our money what we invest in, what we learn, what we study, what we read, and where we get pleasure. Because God is not a non-pleasure-seeking person. He wants you to enjoy this life. He wants you to have pleasure. I mean, for crying out loud, His first miracle, He turns water into wine. He's at a wedding. And that wedding feast is a long period of time in the old Jewish history. I mean, He he was at a wedding feast. This was... Periods of time. We're not... So he wants us to have a good time. He's not a buzzkill. But are you doing it in God's kingdom? Are you really living 
daily in the kingdom of God. Is that what you're seeking after? Jesus goes through the, um, his parables and his teaching as we continue reading through the book of Matthew. And we find many times when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is... And he gives us a clue what the kingdom of heaven is like. So let's take a look at some of those things. He starts, he's going to start out today in Matthew 13, 24 through 30. And he says, another parable he put forth saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and he sowed tares among the wheat and he went his way. But when the grain was sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? And he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. The first thing I think we need to look at is, if we're seeking the kingdom of heaven, is we need to stop worrying about what the others around us are doing. And we need to obey God, because He's going to sort the weeds out at the end. Stop and think about it. In this life, there's lots of people around you, some who are going to profess to be believers, but you see them living a different life. Some who won't profess Christ and they're living that life. Are you looking at those around you to determine what you should have and what you shouldn't have? I know, I know sometimes personally, I have to be real careful with Facebook because I watch people all the time posting all their vacation pictures. And I have to question, what is this vacation thing thou speakest of? <laughs> because cows got to be fed every day. And I don't know what that means to go away for a week. I, I don't get that. I don't understand that. And sometimes my heart can get a little jealous. And I can say, God, can I put a for sale sign up in front of the farm, please? I'm really getting tired here, God. And God has to talk to me about that. And he keeps telling me, you're looking around and you're seeking things that I don't have for you. How about when you start looking at relationships that other people are having? Are you, you seeking a relationship that God doesn't want you to have? Are you seeking toys that the neighbors have that you don't have, but God really doesn't want you to have them? You don't understand everything. You don't know maybe how deep the debt is of that neighbor of yours. And God's calling you to something totally different. And it's time that we start seeking the kingdom of God and not seeking what our neighbor has. You're going to read that this week, hopefully. You read that this week. In Psalm 37, 
one of the days this week, it's going to tell you basically, quit looking at your neighbor. Quit worrying about what they're doing. Look at God. Seek what He has for you. God says, look, I'm going to sort it all out at the end. There's going to come an end to this life. There's going to come an end to this world. I keep hearing people say, what's this world coming to? It's an end. (laughs) Maybe sooner than we think, maybe longer than we think. But this world's coming to an end, folks. And one day, God is going to sort it all out. And where you stand right now, and what you're seeking right now, is going to make a difference in where you stand on that day. It's going to make a difference on what side of the line you stand on that day. Will you be bound and cast into the fire like the wheat, like the weeds, or are you going to be welcomed into God's barn as a full grain worthy of Him? So stop looking what other people are doing. Seek what God has for your life. We continue down in Matthew chapter 13 to verse 31, and we see another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when is grown is greater than the herbs, and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. If we're going to seek the kingdom of heaven, we need to grow into the fruit that God intended Because he has a plan for you to be an influence on other people. The tiny little mustard seed, when it grows into the fullness of what it was meant to be, provides a place for birds to nest and to find shade, to raise their their young, to find safety. God has a plan for your life. And part of that plan is going to be the influence that you're going to have on other people's lives. We're not alone in this world. We're not meant to be alone in this world. The two greatest commandments, whenever Jesus was challenged by the lawyers of the time, what's the greatest commandments? What did he say? Love God. Love others. Everything else hinges on this. So we're part of relationships. We've got to be part of relationships. And God's called you to do something. In some way, to provide a safe place for someone. In some way, to help someone raise their young. In some ways, to help them find shelter in a time of storm. God is calling each and every one of us to be that for someone else. He's planted within you a mustard seed, and He wants to grow it into a mighty tree that can do amazing things. But we seek ourselves, we seek our own time, we seek our own pleasure. And what do we do? We hole up in our houses and we go away on our own vacations and we don't minister to those around us. We don't become that fully what God would have us to be. Are you seeking the kingdom of heaven today? I'm not really making fun of you guys, but it is fun to 
pick on families as they leave in the middle of a sermon. <laughs> God has fruit for you to produce. Are you seeking His kingdom and producing that fruit that He has for you? Continuing in Matthew 13, verse 33, another parable, he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and he hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. When we begin to seek the kingdom of God, it's going to affect every part of our life. The kingdom of God needs to affect it all. You're going to mix that in with your life. And all of a sudden, you're going to start making decisions a whole lot differently. Just like when you put leaven in bread and it causes it, bread dough, and it causes it to rise. And anybody ever see that? Remember that growing up? No? Oh, man. I remember when my mom used to make homemade bread. Oh, one of the best smells. We had a big bow window growing up, and I remember her mixing the dough, and she'd mix the yeast in with it. And she'd put that ball of dough in this bowl and cover it with plastic wrap and stick it in the big bow window in the front of the house. And a couple hours later, the sun shining on that would cause that leaven to make that dough come up and push the plastic wrap up and out the top of the bowl. It made such a difference. Seeking the kingdom of God needs to make a difference that is going to just bubble your life out of your bowl. And it's going to make something so delicious. And when mom would cook that bread and you could smell it outside and you'd come in and put some butter on that hot bread. Oh, Man, that was good. You don't get this fat without remembering those things. <laughs> but that's what God wants to do in our life. He wants to bless us. He wants to allow, as, as we let His kingdom come into our life, to let it overflow out of our bowl. Let the aroma of His presence to fill the house and creep out the windows that when you walk around the back you can smell mom was cooking bread today. Do your neighbors smell God cooking in your life? Do your co-workers know that God is doing something in your life? Because you have allowed the kingdom of God to be in charge in your life. There's something different. You're growing. There's, there's something different. I need that. I need to be a part of that. Are you living in the kingdom of God? Because the kingdom of God will permeate all of your life. Skipping down to verse 44 in chapter 13, we read again, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found, and he hid, and for joy over it, he goes and he sells all that he has, and he buys that field. 
What are you willing to do in your life to gain the kingdom of heaven? Are you willing to give up everything you got for the kingdom of heaven? I have doctors that keep telling me if I lose another 25 pounds, they'll give me new hips. I don't, maybe I don't want new hips bad enough. I don't know. Maybe I need to... I have trouble losing that 25 pounds. Am I willing to give it up? I like peanut butter filled donuts. Yeah. And bread, fresh baked bread with butter, real butter. What are you willing to give up in this life for the kingdom of God? What are you willing What are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to give all that you have so that God's kingdom can have complete rule in your life? Are you willing to sell the farm? Are you willing to sell the house and Live in a camper. Are you, what are you willing to do? You see, when it comes down to it, we've already established God has something really good for us. God has something big for us. What are we willing to give up so that we can have it? You see, the more we're deeper in relationship we get with God, we're going to realize how good His gifts are and how much better the kingdom of heaven is going to be than what we have today. Are you willing to give up your position or your prestige? Are you, what are you willing to give up? Are you willing to give up your boat or your bike? Are you willing to give up whatever? Are you willing to give up your life so that you can have the greatest treasure? Continuing in verses 45 and 46 again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he found one pearl of great price, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought it again. Is it worth the cost in your life? Are you willing to give it up for the kingdom of heaven? Amen. Jesus said, stop worrying about this life. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Are you willing to walk in that and seek that on a daily basis. Not only are we to seek the kingdom of God, but also His righteousness. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 9, we read, Though I also, this is Paul speaking, might have confidence in the flesh, I, 
if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is the law of the law, I'm blameless. Paul basically said, look, I did it all correctly. I did it all the way man said I was supposed to do it. I followed all the law. But he continues and he says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also counted all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I might gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. You can't get there on your own. You can't. It's impossible for you to be good enough to get there on your own. A guy I once knew was driving a semi around New York City and he was on some road and he could look down and see where he wanted to go and he couldn't figure out how to get there. And a cop come by and he flagged the cop down and he asked the cop, how do I get there? The cop said, you can't get there from here. You can't get there on your own. You can't have the kingdom fulfilled in your life without the righteousness of Christ which He wants to put upon your life. God, I don't know where the emergency crews are heading off to right now, but I hear the whistle. So I pray, God, that whatever they are doing, that You would give them protection. I pray that You would help them to minister in this time of need, wherever they're going. Bring blessing upon them as they go, Lord. Help in whatever the accident or the emergency is, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. God's righteousness is above all other righteousness. It was asked of me last night, what's God going to say about what I did a long time ago? I said, if you've confessed it, He's not going to say anything. Because God looks at you differently. Because He puts His righteousness on you. God says, you are now righteous because you said that you believe Jesus died for you. And you've received His gift of salvation. So now I look at you as a righteous person. You can't earn that. You don't deserve it. You can't go out and buy it. It's imputed into your life by God. His righteousness by faith. It's unattainable by works in the flesh. When you, when you read throughout Scripture, you find you can do all the good you want if you do it in your own strength. You've got your reward here on earth. 
It doesn't matter for eternity. When you do good works because God is working in you, that's a different story. When you start having righteous acts in your life because God has changed who you are on the inside, it's a different story. Because once again, you have been united with Christ. You're scoring a row because you're united with Christ. And you're being obedient to the Father because you are united with Jesus. It begins in your heart. You need to receive God's righteousness. That is a gift. It seems like a tall order, doesn't it? It seems like something hard to do. It seems like, how can I attain this? And as I wrestled with this message this week, I ended up at Thursday night at men's group. And all you men, I'm going to encourage you, men's group on Thursday nights at Ed's house is amazing. I want to encourage you to be there. But I give all the credit to the conclusion of today's message to men's group on Thursday night. Well, actually to God speaking through the men at men's group. Because Joey D. had us end up in Hebrews chapter 12. And we read these words. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me tell you something this morning. You have a cheering section in heaven right now that says you can do it. You have a cheering section that says you can do this. Because if you go to chapter 11 of Hebrews right before this, it lists all those people from the Bible that look how God worked in their life. Look at their faith. Look what they did. Look what they did. But as you look at them, and then you go back and you think about their story written in the Old Testament, they screwed up too. Jeff reminded us that Samson is in that Hall of Fame. Samson lived a stupid life right up to the end. I mean, when the same woman tries to have you captured three times and you still tell her the truth about where your strength comes from, that's pretty dumb. And you look at his life and you're like, how, how did you make the Hall of Faith? But it was because at the end, he said, I know God, I screwed up. Let me do what I'm supposed to do. Let me destroy these guys. And he tore the temple down. And we could go through every one of those guys in there. And you could say, well man, look where they screwed up. Look where David screwed up. Man, he had a whole pile of screwed ups. He had a screwed up family. He had screwed up relationships with his wives. He, I mean, he was all screwed up. But yet he was considered a man after God's own heart. Abraham lied about who his wife was. Almost got his wife killed. Ends up sleeping with her servant so they could try to have a baby. And God said, that ain't the right way to do it. But it was 
counted unto him as righteousness because he obeyed God in sacrificing, in taking his son to be sacrificed. He was willing to give it all up when he knew it. He was willing to seek the kingdom of God in his life because God had promised him. You have a cheering section that says you can do it. You may even have family members who are this day in glory who prayed for your salvation, who prayed for your obedience. Your spouse's family members may have been praying for you to be a spouse for your husband or your wife. And to honor God. You have a cheering section that is saying, go do it. You have a pastor and you have a community here of church that says, we can do this. We can get it done. And look, it's hearing, the community knows about it. We're getting it done. You're going to screw up. We get it. But you're getting it done. Are you going to finish well? Dan Yingling said one of the most profound things I've heard on Thursday night. Listen to this. You have to start where you are to get where you want to go. I mean, that just like slapped me right upside the face. I don't care where you are today. But if you want the kingdom of God, if you want to walk in obedience, if you want to know His blessing, if you want to find His rest and His peace and His contentment, if you want all the greatness that God has for you, that He's already laid out in your future for you, if you want it, start here today and go get it. You can do it. The kingdom of God is there for your taking. It's been offered to you by the one who owns it. God says, here's my son. Here's the way to come and get it. Come by my son. I'll give you my righteousness. I'll give you the kingdom of heaven. Come and get it. Let's stop playing around, church. Is it worth it? Will you sell all that you got? Will you give it up? Will you seek His kingdom? Some of us will be called to sell houses and lands. Others of us will be called to stay where we're at. In the, I don't remember whether it was last week in Psalm 37 where I had homework or whether it was just in my reading. But it said, and it just jumped out at me where God said, it says, stay in the land you're at and work there and produce what you're getting. And whenever that message, that scripture was given to me, I went, okay, God, this is what you want, then I'll stay here. We watched Dave and Emily give up everything to be part of Jacob's way to start that ministry. And that ministry's growing and that ministry's changing and God is blessing them because they're, they're walking. They've given it up. They've done it. You want encouragement? Dave and Emily, 
I watched the little girls go running up to Emily this morning and hugging her. Emily! That's one of the most beautiful things. I love it when Ari comes bulldozing me in the mornings when I walk in. There's some of you who are too skinny to handle a bulldoze from the, I'm just saying. Some of you would roll, okay? Look, we're in this together, folks. Let's encourage one another. The kingdom of God is at hand. Go back to the beginning of Matthew. And I don't have this in the slide. I think I have a whole page of scripture that I didn't know if God was going to have me use or not. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, John the Baptist says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look, the kingdom of heaven is here. God has it for you. If you want it, come and get it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all the rest of this will be added to you. One version I read said, all these lesser important things will be given to you. Do you want it? It's time for us as a church to go after it. Go get it. The kingdom of heaven is here. God wants to bless us. God wants to do amazing things through us. If you want it, come get it. Let's stand as we close in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for giving us the ability to have your righteousness in our life and to seek your kingdom. I pray, God, that we would not mess around as a church anymore, that we would quit playing church. I pray, God, that we would we'd begin to seek hard after you, we would see the value of what you have for us, and that we would go after it and get it. Amen. God, I just pray that you would move in our lives as the church, that we would become that resting place for people, that place to find peace and comfort in you through us. God, do a mighty work in our life, we pray. God, we're going to hang out here for a while, and we're going to fellowship together around some food, and, and we're going to encourage one another, and I just pray, God, you would bless this time together. I pray that you would bless this food. And God, I just pray that, that we would not just leave here and forget that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Help us, Lord, to seek hard after it. We thank you for this, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.